Well, I want to um, <clears throat> share with you this morning one of the battlefields that um, has been uh, a, a real a real struggle for me over over the years, and uh, <clears throat> I feel like lately the Lord's really given me some um, some help in this area and. I think um, it, it's kind of come up, obviously, with my own personal needs. And then also, um, Mike Clary and I have been uh, reading um, in the Sermon on the Mount and Martin Lloyd-Jones. And uh, we're in the tail end of Chapter 6. And uh, it's that section where he's talking about, we're going to read it this morning, um, <clears throat> about the Lord providing for you and the anxiousness and not to be anxious. And so I, I would say that uh, and some great conviction in, in reading that, but then just um, in my own life, just over the years, this battle of anxious thoughts where <clears throat> the enemy comes in and you mull things around and uh, you get worried and worked up and, and the Consequently, you respond that way. And so you have the way you think, the scripture says, as a man thinketh, so he is. And so you begin to act on the way you're thinking. And uh, obviously it leads to further sin. And um, so <clears throat> that has been really kind of my burden. And then, then Charles's last messages on faith and on belief have been just kind of like struck home to me and have been a great source of encouragement for me. And, <clears throat> and then also just even in the, in the congregation here, we've had um, two, peop two families that um, have lost jobs and, and so there's some anxiety and worry and, can you do, and, and they have walked commendably in this area. Um, and God's provided for them. But there's that, and then there's just, when you read the news, all the stuff on the economy, if that's what you're looking to, it's filled with anxiety and anxiousness and worry. Even at work where people have work, they're still thinking about if they're going to have work tomorrow because of the economy. So there's this stirring and this anxiousness about things, material things, their provisions, and so all of those things <clears throat> have kind of led up to this, what I wanted to share with you today, some thoughts. And um, Lloyd-Jones, Martin Lloyd-Jones in that Sermon on the Mount says, worry is always a failure to grasp and apply our faith. It's always a failure to grasp and apply our faith. In there he talks about Christians... <clears throat> oftentimes will believe God in general. They'll believe that God, God for their salvation and they will believe God is going to deliver them. But oftentimes in the current situation that you're in is when you begin to get anxious and fretting and stewing about it. But this, what about now? And he, he, he addresses that. And so what I thought I would do is just, I wanted to look at 
um, <clears throat> some verses in the scripture that deal with, um, first of all, that it's a command for us to obey or to, to not be anxious. God commands us not to be anxious. Look at some passages there. Then look at some of the effects that unbelief can have upon us. And then uh, kind of just some things that the Lord has dealt with me personally on and shown me some things that can be helpful in this area of getting our focus back on the Lord when we seem to be kind of engulfed with this anxiety or worry or anxious thoughts. But before we begin, why don't we um, just go to the Lord in prayer and ask for help here. Father, we come to you right now and just confess, Lord, that uh, this is an area that affects every one of us. Uh, this area of ang- anxious thoughts. And uh, so, Lord, we come as needy people before your throne of grace, thankful that uh, you are a mighty deliverer, thankful, Lord, that you uh, care for your people, that you uh, hear our cries. And so our cry this morning, Lord, would be speak to us, as Mason shared here, <clears throat> give a word to us from your word. Encourage the hearts of those that might be anxious right now about certain things in their life. Uh, Help us to be able to get a fresh perspective, a look at you, and to see that uh, is our God not able to handle all of these things that we bring before you. Lord, help us to look in faith today at your word. Pray for your Holy Spirit to have free course in our hearts. Pray that you'd speak to us. And help us to uh, honor you in the way we receive the word and the way we practice it in our lives. We commit this time to you and say, thy name be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the first verse that obviously comes up when you, um, for me at least, that has come up for me when I think of anxiety and anxiousness is the verse that, uh, it's so often quoted in Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Anxious for nothing. I remember Charles, and I don't know if this original with Charles or Charles got it from somewhere, but I remember Charles saying, um, so often what we find with ourselves in practical areas is anxious for everything and in nothing with prayer and supplication. And isn't it the truth that when you find yourself oftentimes getting overwhelmed and anxious in your thoughts and and this just starts creeping in on you and you realize, I haven't even prayed about this yet. It's just like you're, you're, you're taken up in it. I was talking with Maurice, um, I don't know if it was last Sunday or the Sunday before, and Maurice brought that up, just that oftentimes you're going along and you're involved in it. You're right in the midst of it. And, and then you realize what's happening. Well, what's the, what's the remedy right there? Well, sin, unbelief is sin. And we're not believing God. So what do you do with sin when it comes up? When it's brought to your attention, you confess it and repent of it. And ask God to help you in it and you go on. 
But in the midst of it sometimes, you're, you're already anxious and worrying about it before you even think to take it to the Lord. So, <clears throat> but we're commanded, don't be anxious. And then if you look in Matthew 6, and I do want to read this because I'm going to refer back to it. But as I read it, it's Matthew 6, 25. As I read it, what I would like you to uh, notice in this right now, I'll direct your attention to a couple other things later, but um, the word anxious, how much it comes up here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. For this reason, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, did not clothe himself like one of these. If God so arrays the grass of the fields, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So the Lord five times in that in that section, says, don't be anxious. Why are you anxious? Asking the question. God provides for his creatures. Aren't you more important than that? Won't he provide for you? Don't be anxious. Trust me, in other words. Trust me with that. And um, so that was, again, the Lord saying, don't be anxious, repeating it. So, again, the point. It's a command not to be anxious. He's saying, don't be anxious. Turn over a few pages in Matthew, and this one came up to my mind recently because of <clears throat> some conversations with a couple of brothers um, in, the, in the congregation here. Uh, Matthew 10, verse 16. <clears throat> Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as serpents, and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the courts and scourge you in the synagogues, and you shall even be brought before the governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not be anxious about how or what you will speak, for it shall be given to you in that hour what you are to speak, for it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you. So here the Lord's saying, 
you're going to be brought before some people who the magistrates who um, are going to be opposing you. And he says, and you're, the tendency is, what am I going to say? Well, I've got to get my argument right. He says, don't relax. Trust me. Look to me. I'll give you what to say. I'll, t- I'll show you what you're to, to say in that situation. So again, don't be anxious. And uh, so we've got three accounts, and there's many more in the Scripture, but these were three that uh, have meant something to me because it uh, has applied to me in various ways at different times. Um, and then I got thinking, what are some of the effects? How does it, when that anxiety comes on you, these anxious thoughts creep and encroach upon your mind, um, what are some of the effects of that? And uh, I can tell you that the five, I've, there's more than this, but the five I've listed are the ones that have affected me again. Most of the things that I share up here are things that um, I've kind of been um, under, uh, and the Lord, I feel like the Lord's given me a little bit of uh, um, insight for my own life on these, these areas. Number one, one of the effects of anxiety, and you know what I'm talking about. And see, that's the thing that's neat about speaking on a topic like this, because every one of you know what I'm talking about. Because every one of you are affected by it. Every one of you have things running in your mind occasionally, and some more than occasionally, about things that are just, you're just mulling them over. And they're, they're weighing you down. And that's, that's the first point. They're heavy. It's like someone putting one of those weight vests on you. And you're just walking around and you're just feeling this weight. And when the thing is gone, when the thing is gone, it's like some, you can, I mean, it may be the thing didn't even happen. Sometimes you're worrying about things that don't even happen. Sometimes it does happen and it passes. As the scriptures say, it came to pass. And it passes and it's just like you go, oh man. It's like someone takes and lifts that vest off of you and you feel like you could almost fly. You just could walk out on air. Because it was weighing you down. It's exactly what the scripture says in Proverbs 12, 25. It says this. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. It weighs your heart down. But a good word makes it glad. Now how many times have you been weighted down with this anxiety? And a brother comes or you're reading the scripture. And there's a portion of scripture that just you're able to get a hold of. And it's just like it lightens you. It's a good word. It helps you at that time. A brother points you to a scripture or says something to you. And it's just like the weight has been lifted. It's a good word to, to alleviate the anxiety. <clears throat> Here's another one that happens to me. You're thinking about something. Maybe something didn't go right between you and your spouse or you and a roommate, or you and an employer, an employee, another co-worker. Maybe it's something like that. And you're wondering, what? oh man, and I wanted, they said this, and I said this. And, and pretty soon, that little thing that started begins to get bigger, and it begins to get bigger, and it gets really big. And pretty soon, that's all you can think about you can't think about anything else. It's consuming you. It's consuming your thoughts. 
It's keeping your production down at work. It's consuming you. That's what the scripture talks about here. Listen to this. In Psalm 94, 19. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me. They just keep getting bigger and bigger. What's the solution? Your consolations delight my soul. Getting with God, getting in his word, it's refreshment. It puts it in the right perspective. You begin to see things more clearly. See, because one of the things that happens oftentimes with this is your, your heart gets filled with fear in a lot of situations. You're not sure what to say. You don't know, this could cost me my job. Might, in some situations, has for some people. It may be something else. But it's, there's a fear that rises up, oftentimes. Not always, but oftentimes fear is associated with these anxious thoughts that are multiplying within you. <clears throat> Here's what Isaiah says. Say to those anxious with anxious heart, say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. <clears throat> so that's in Isaiah 35, verse 4. So the Lord's acknowledging with, with anxiety and anxiousness of heart, fear oftentimes is accompanying that. And you need to be told, fear not. Fear not. And oftentimes the thing that's a real, the biggest encouragement, the biggest help, is the realization that God will save you. He'll save you in this situation, but he's going to save you ultimately from all of these anxious thoughts and all of these, these situations. God will save you. Um, <clears throat> and what I mentioned earlier, just that when that fear comes in, typically what happens is you don't think Clearly, your thinking gets all jumbled up. You're confused. When you get afraid and you, you're just, it's like your mind just goes lame. Uh, you know, you're not thinking clearly. And I, I, there's a really good example of this and a contrast in the scripture of how this happens or the example of this happening. And um, Dick was alluding to this portion last week with his sling. First uh, Samuel 17 with with David and Goliath, and uh, <clears throat> so the situation. David is a faithful shepherd, and his father sends him to bring some uh, food for his brothers that are engaged in battle with the Philistines. And as he comes into the camp, he he hears this Philistine, this Philistine ranting and raving and taunting the armies of the living God. And this is what, this is in 1 Samuel 17, 24. This is the description of the men of Israel. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him. There's the fear. And were greatly afraid. They fled and were greatly afraid. David comes in and he sees this. He sees this going on that these guys are, here's this guy out here ranting and raving against God's army and no one's doing anything. And he says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he's taunting the armies of the living God? Who is this guy? Doesn't he know what he's doing? This is crazy. You don't taunt God. 
That was David's perspective. Their perspective is they're cowering away. And then David says to, to um, the king, to King Saul, he says, um, uh, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. I'll go, I'll go fight him. And what's the response of King Saul? You can't do that. Don't you see? He's a, a warrior. He's a giant. You're just a lad. You see his perspective? That was the perspective of all the army of Israel. They were focusing on Goliath's size and comparing it to David's size. David's focus was comparing Goliath's size to God. And he says, I I had to protect the sheep when, when the lion attacked. I couldn't do that either. But God was with me, so it's not my strength. It's God. It's God who fights in our behalf. And that's what you see here in this. And you see this, this David's thinking clearly. He has the right perspective. And when we get walking in unbelief about whatever the situation is in our life, we are not thinking clearly. We're believing lies. We're not, we're not focusing on God. We're focusing on the situation, the giant the waves, whatever they are that come and wash over you. Your, your attention is on that and not on God and God's ability to deliver. And so what happens then when you have that wrong perspective, oftentimes paralysis sets in and you are crippled. You don't know what to do, so you do nothing. That's what they were doing, nothing. They ran, they fled, and then they did nothing. And David, on the other hand, takes some action. He begins to take some action. And he addresses the unbelief. He says, God is able to deliver this Philistine. Send me out. I'll, do, I'll show you. And he does. And, of course, you know the story. The Philistine is defeated. <clears throat> um, when this paralysis sets in... <clears throat> You can actually be walking around sometimes in a stupor, just kind of in a daze. You don't even know what to do in a situation. And it just kind of grips you. Here's what Martin Lloyd-Jones says. Worry or anxiety is a force. It's a power, something that comes and grips us and takes control of us. There are cases where this is undoubtedly the result of the works of evil spirits. And sometimes that's true. It's demonic. It can come in. Sometimes we work up the thoughts in our mind. Sometimes it it can actually be demonic. That's what you saw, for example, in the garden where Adam and Eve are there. And Satan came and actually began to put thoughts into their mind about God's not good to you. God's got it. You know, God's holding out on you, basically. So bringing accusation against the character of God, bringing doubt on God's goodness, bringing doubt on your thoughts about God, and oftentimes that happens. And it's a battle. It's a real battle. And I think that's one of the reasons <clears throat> that um, this area of our thought life is such a, such a tremendous battleground. And if we can get victory in this area of our thought life, it is a big, big thing to begin to take strides in, in our relationship with God uh, because we begin to recognize some of the tactics of the enemy 
to attack us in our thoughts. You know, one of the, when you think about this area of thoughts, um, uh, the, the verse that I've been thinking about is in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And that phrase, taking every thought captive, has really been on my mind because I've, you know, that sounds like, okay, I know what it's saying, but how does that work in my life, taking every thought captive? I mean, I know it doesn't mean we sit around and cross our legs and put our hands out and go, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's not some mantra that you do like some other religions do to try and get into a state of altered consciousness. It's, there's, a, there's something that can practically affect us that is, um, affects the way we think and see and perceive situations. And so <clears throat> one of the things that uh, was really helpful to me when I was reading the Lloyd-Jones book is he says one of the, the ways that we begin to do that is that we refuse anxious thoughts. We refuse them. And here's what he says about it. He says that to me is perhaps the most important and the most practical thing of all. Faith means refusing to think about worrying things. Now, someone will say, well, but the thoughts just come, and they do just come. So the question is, what do you do when the thoughts come? That's the question. How, what do you do when they come? Because there are some things that we can do. There are some actions, and we're going to talk about those, but what do you do? Do you entertain the thoughts? Are they pleasurable to you and you kind of mull them around even though you know they may not be right? Are they vindictive thoughts and you're mulling those around and saying, having these arguments with one another in your mind and it hasn't even taken place? There's been nothing on the surface. It's just all this stuff that you've conjured up in your mind. Is it worrisome thoughts that you refuse to let go of? You just need to, you've got to be in control of this. You've got to figure it out. What is it? What do you do with it? Well, <clears throat> one of the things that has occurred to me in this area of taking your thoughts captive is that if you don't take your thoughts captive, if you don't take your thoughts captive, you're going to be captivated by your thoughts. They are going to be in your mind. They're going to control you. They're going to dictate your responses to those around you. They're going to affect your relationship to God and your ability to believe him because those thoughts are taking you captive. You're, and, and you know what I'm talking about. You've been thinking about something for a while and you realize, man, you shake your head sometimes and you go, what am I doing? I've been carried along. And how long has it been now since I've been thinking that? I don't know. Sometimes you've lost track of time. You're just going along. You're going along, and pretty soon, 5, 10, maybe 15 minutes, maybe a coworker or somebody at home comes up and calls your name. You okay? They say it again. Oh, you're taken up in them. You're lost in them. 
You've been captivated by them. And if they're not thoughts that are pleasing to God, then we need to take those thoughts and put in our minds things that are pleasing to God. It's not just a, um, a, a vacuum. There's an article that I had I thought was really good. That I, in fact, I printed this off. It was in 2007. I get these um, daily thoughts from um, Ravi Zacharias, Ministries, Slice of Infinity. And this one was written by one of their writers, <coughs> Betsy Childs. And she says, the, the struggle to break an addiction is more effective when the addiction is replaced rather than simply resisted. If we only battle sinful thoughts by trying to shut them off, we will find that our minds abhor a vacuum even more than nature does. It is only when we replace the thoughts that do not honor God with thoughts that bring him glory that we will have truly taken our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. It's not just replacing them with nothing. You replace them with something. And it's, you're involved in this. And I know that it takes the supernatural work of God. But do you realize that what the Lord has said here, even in what we've read this morning, seek first the kingdom of God. He's telling you to do it. We have responsibility in these things to put ourselves in the position where God will bless us. And yes, we're looking to God. We're looking to God. But you know, even in his illustration of the birds, they don't sit on the wire waiting for the Lord to bring them food. They're out flitting around looking for food, but they're not anxious about it. But they're out doing some the things that they normally would do. And so what he's saying is these are some things you, should, you can take some action here Looking to the Lord, not looking to your actions, but looking to the Lord in your actions. And these are some things that are helpful. Listen to the words that he uses. Think about these actions. Take every thought captive. Take it. When I was coaching um, and we were playing defense, and I remember telling the girls, now listen. If that other girl puts that ball in front of her, take it away from her. Don't ask her for it. Take it from her. Reach out, grab it. Be aggressive in it. Be determined. That's what he's talking about. Take it captive. Be determined that you're going to take these, th these thoughts captive. Have some purpose. Know you're going into this. It's a battle. And you're going to have to be aggressive in this. You need to take it. <clears throat> Here's another one. Set your mind on things above. It's not someone else setting your table. It's you setting it, taking it, putting it there, placing it up there, taking those thoughts and putting them on God, putting them in the scripture, putting them there. Again, purpose. There's a purpose in what you're doing. <clears throat> you're not just, it's not just uh, taking scripture and reading it and going on with your day. It's taking those thoughts that you read in the morning and meditating on them and applying them and seeing how they fit into your life as you walk throughout the day, having a purpose, setting your mind there. <clears throat> Here's another one that we just talked about. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God in, your, in his righteousness. Seek it first. And when you look in there, that word is continually seek. And when you see how the Lord talks in Matthew 6 to the, about the Gentiles, you know what he says? They do eagerly seek for these things, these earthly things. But you seek first the kingdom of God. It's the same idea. Eagerly seek it. Seek it first. Make it be a priority. Um, and it's, it's action. There's some action involved. You know, one of the <clears throat> things that you have to be careful of is being self-deceived. And there's a class, some of you know, that I teach at the university, and it's a study skills class. And one component of that is I have them do is time management. We talk about managing your time. And so I have them do an activity so that they can accurately see where their time is. Because if you talk to a lot of students, they think they spend their whole life studying and they don't do anything else except maybe once in a while they grab a bite to eat and they have to go to class and study. So I said, okay, here's what I would like for you to do. For 24 hours a day, for seven days, just seven days, what I want you to do, and I said, I want you to be honest. Don't be deceiving yourself. I'm not, I said, you're going to see it. You'll turn it into me, but that's, that's the, the extent of it. I want you to be able to look at it and analyze it because I want you to see where your priorities are. And just jot down everything that you did that day over that. And I give them a calendar with the hours and their sleep, and they can just kind of color it in and so on. And at the end of the week, I want them to just look at it and say, where were your priorities? Because you know we can be self-deceived in that area of priorities. We can say that this is a priority, but what are you seeking first? What's first? What comes up? When you have that free time, where do you go? And see, we can get deluded into thinking that we're doing things that we really aren't doing. We want to do them, but we're not doing them. And so that's what the Lord is, is emphasizing here. First priority, seek first the kingdom of God. I'll take care of these, these material provisions that you need. I'll take care of those for you. You're more valuable to me than the birds. I created the birds. They're wonderful. I provide for the birds. But you're more valuable than that. The, the flowers, they're going to wither. They're going to wither. If they don't wither today, they're going to wither in a few days. You're eternal. You're my eternal child. Don't you think I'm going to care for you more than flowers? Can't you trust me to do that? I created you. And so he gives this appeal to his children to seek him first, and he'll take care of it. Look at this next one we just looked at. Be anxious for nothing, but with everything in prayer, by prayer and supplication. It's a spiritual battle. You can do all the methods and go through all the things, but unless you're in touch with God, it's, it's going to be just vain i mean it is it's, it's we have responsibility but we have to rely on god and that only comes through our consistently being in touch with him so we get in touch with god we pray we seek him 
And then when trials come and our thoughts get attacked and we get these anxious thoughts, we've been in communication with him. And it's just the natural inclination when they come is to let our heart run up to him and say, Lord, quiet my troubled heart. Quiet my anxious thoughts. Here's something that will be helpful in the area of quieting your anxious thoughts. And it's filled. It's filled in the scripture. This is one. Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. My question is that in your quiet time, when sometimes you get thoughts coming, do you verbalize your thanksgiving to God? Because I think there's something to that. I think there's something to just saying it out loud, thanking God, and doing it more than just at mealtime. But just thanking God, bringing to remembrance, that's what he does in Psalm 107, bringing to remembrance God's deliverances for you in the past, how he has, he has, a, he has done things for you, done things for people you love. And you bring that to your mind, and you thank him for it. And you continue to thank him and thank him. You know, <clears throat> the, the same, it says there in Hebrews, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Be, be mindful of that. Those things didn't just happen back there. They're happening right now. And they're going to happen tomorrow because he's the same. It's the same God. <clears throat> Cultivating... Gratitude and thankfulness to God is the fertile soil for faith. I really believe that. You know, when you're, when you're really thankful for God and you're expressing that to God, it's much, much easier to believe God than it is to doubt him because you, you're, you, you've experienced it. You know what he's like. You know how he's delivered you, and you're thankful for that, and you know he's able to. And so it it just breeds faith instead of breeding unbelief. So just to have that continual outpouring of thanksgiving. So we need to to speak to ourselves. um, And we need to speak it out loud sometimes. And we need to meditate on the scriptures. um, Scriptures that would be helpful for us in certain situations. That's what the psalmist is saying. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. So having scripture that we're just pouring over and thinking about and meditating on and just letting that be a part of our mind, you know, when, you're, when you have those things coming in, you have less time to be thinking about other things. And so it's a, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing to just be able to just have the word of God in your mind and kind of running through your mind. But I just wanted to mention to you uh, just a a kind of a a personal testimony of mine um, just that's been relatively recent. I feel like it's really been just probably in the last few weeks. But I I told you that this is a struggle for me uh, and has been over my, over my life as a Christian is just taking thoughts captive and letting your mind just kind of wander around. But um, about three weeks ago, I went to bed. I didn't say anything to Terry. I just said good night and went to bed. And in my mind, I'm stewing about something. And um, 
wasn't an argument with her outwardly, but it was an argument with her inwardly. And so I began thinking about these things, and I'm laying on my pillow, and it's a, it's a he said, and she said, I said, and I'd say this, and, 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 and so you kind of, like I said, they begin multiplying. And in the middle of it, the Lord rebuked me in the middle of it. It's just like, what are you doing? You know this is wrong. Why are you doing it? And I, right there, just in my, on my pillow, I just said, Lord, I just, I just confess it as sin. I'm just sorry. And I just ask your forgiveness and help me with my thoughts. And, I mean, it was, it was so clear. Just this verse came to my mind. <clears throat> and it was, it was clear. It just came. It just came to me in my mind. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Now that's the verse that came to me. And so I laid there in bed and I started thinking of what a blessing Terry has been to me over the years, how much of a helpmate she's been. And I began thinking of what a blessing she was to our family and to the church family. <clears throat> and the second part, of the next part of that verse about being anxious for nothing, but with everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I went to sleep, with peace. Just the peace of God flooded me. <clears throat> now, does that always happen? No, probably not, but it did then. And I think the thing that really <clears throat> caught my attention on it was this area of if God, if God quickens something to you, if he gives you a way out, take it. Don't, don't mull this thing around. Don't continue to, to play with these thoughts. God's given you a way out. Take it. Thank him for it. Walk in it. And it's, it's been wonderful. I mean, it really has helped me in the, next, the, in the ensuing weeks. It really was helpful to me in very practical ways. But it's just a matter of confessing the unbelief Confessing the wrong thoughts of sin. Asking God's forgiveness. Asking him to help you in that area. Who knows? He might give you thought, a scripture as a way out. And you th start thinking about that scripture. And you start, you know, it is really difficult to criticize and look at somebody with a critical eye if you're really thinking about what a blessing they are. You know those those little um, uh, pictures where they psychology classes have, you know, where you have the vase or two faces looking at each other, 
and you can't see them both at the same time. It's amazing. You can see one, you can see the face, but then the face disappears in the background. So you focus on the two faces looking at each other, and then the vase disappears in the background. And you can't look at them both and focus both of them at the same time. Where are you going to focus? Where do you want to focus? Do you want to hold on to the thoughts? Do you want to let be defeated by them? I don't think you do. God will provide a way out if we'll take it. When he gives it to us, we're going to find, we're going to be, find some deliverance. So just, I guess I would close with this. What were our desire, our desire as Christians is to cultivate positive, active, biblical responses to the destructive pattern of unbelief. That's what we want to do. We we want to cultivate. That means we're working on it. We're getting the soil ready. For those to destroy those destructive patterns of unbelief because they are destructive. They're destructive in families, they're destructive in churches, they're destructive everywhere. They're destructive in your personal life. They're, they will destroy you. Unbelief will destroy you. And to entertain those thoughts, those anxious thoughts, are, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take you down. And you're going to be continuing to walk in unbelief, and it's just a downward path. And what we want as Christians is to begin cultivating faithfulness in in these areas, cultivating faithfulness. And I think that there's a couple of things involved. One is that we need to think about it ahead of time. This happens. What am I going to do? You know, it's a battle. It's a spiritual battle we're up against. And when we go into that, we need to have a plan. What are you going to do when this happens? Think about it. Um, and then um, <clears throat> we need to be in consistent prayer and being in touch with God regularly. And then we need to fill our minds with the right thoughts. We need to take our thoughts captive. And here's just four things that... Um, um, <clears throat> Lloyd-Jones mentioned, I thought were good. Um, think about, and, I, and this song that uh, they sang at the end was really good. Think about the immutable purposes of God with regard to his children. Your name is already written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The end of the story has been written. We just don't know how it's going to work out in between, but we know the end it's been written. And then we sang that here this morning in this, uh, <clears throat> in this song, Before the Throne of God Above. And it's just, it's amazing. Some of these, these um, um, Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. One with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased with his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. That's, that's been done if you're a Christian. Now, I want to tell you something. If you're not a Christian, I don't have any word of encouragement for you in the area of worry and anxiety. I really don't. I mean, I think the best thing that for a non-Christian to do is do what it says in Matthew 6. Seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek God. Put him before your eyes. Put him. And it's just amazing. Put him up. Look to Christ. That's what John was saying. Look to Christ. Um, because apart from him, uh, it's a pretty grim. I mean, it's false hope. It really is. It's false hope what the world has to offer. <clears throat> Another thing. Think of his great love for his children. That's what Lloyd-Jones says. Ponder, think about the love that God has for you. <clears throat> think about his concern for you. Peter says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. He loves you. He cares for you. And then Charles ended his message last week with this. <clears throat> is anything too difficult for our God? Nothing is too difficult for thee. That's the way he ended it last week. It's good to think about, isn't it? Think about the almighty power of God. There is nothing that's too difficult for God. It doesn't matter what the situation is that you're involved in. It's not too difficult for God. So we need to not be anxious and fretting and stewing about those things. We need to be casting our cares upon him because he cares for us. And these are just some thoughts that I've had, and they've been very, very encouraging to me um, in this area of just um, being able to have some real personal victory, I feel, at least... Uh, measure of it in my in some areas where I've I've struggled in the past, and it's certainly some a clear word to me on some things I personally need to do, and to do in a more consistent manner in my life. But it's just it's God who's going to deliver us, not our methods. But still, like I said, it is helpful to set those things, set our minds on those things, and to. Um, take those thoughts captive and to seek the kingdom of God and to be in prayer by prayer and supplication. Let our request be made known. He is a faithful, faithful deliverer. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this time this morning. We're grateful for your word. We're so thankful, Lord, for your your care for your people. We thank you for your great love for us. We thank you, Lord, that your purposes for your people haven't changed. They're the same as they were in the beginning. They're going to, be, they're going to come about. And we pray that as we go uh, through these trials, these battles down here, as Melissa sang about, Lord, that we would have our eyes fixed on you, the author and, f the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, we just... We look to you, Lord, we, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, we want to have our eyes fixed on you and help us in these areas, practical areas of taking our thoughts captive. Show each one of us what that means for us individually. And I pray, Lord, if there's any that don't know you here, that you would help them, put and bring them to the place in their life where they would seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. And, Lord, I pray that they would uh, find that uh, you never disappoint, Lord. Thank you for this time together here. We pray you be with us in the remainder of our time this morning in the fellowship meal afterwards. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.